morning, Gate City. How's everybody doing? Good? Come on, it's better than good. We haven't been together in person like this in a while, right? Um, you know, it's funny, we were talking, you know, to the first service, you know, we're kind of splitting everything up to keep everybody socially distanced. Also, good morning to everybody at home online. Good to see you too out there. But, um, you know, since March until we have, you know, except for meeting out on the forum, me and the worship team, when we gather here, there's like nobody out there. You just look out and there's this sea of nothing. So it's so great to look out and to actually see people and to see faces. So. So how about we do this? How about for those of us who are here in the building, how about I count to three and we just give out as, as loud as we can a big shout out and say good morning to our folks who are watching from home. So try to say it as loud as you can. Just say good morning. I'm gonna count to three. One, two, three. Good morning. All right. So. We're going to go ahead and get into the word this morning. And um, if you have been following along at home, uh, we are currently in a series called Spoiler Alert, God Wins. And what we're doing in this series is we're digging into the, that fascinating and sometimes misunderstood, oftentimes misunderstood book known as Revelation. And so, you know, so far in our study, we haven't even gotten out of chapter one. So as I've mentioned, since we started this series, I don't know how long we're going to be in it for. We're not going to look at every verse or chapter, but we are going to take our time to be able to understand uh, the heart and the message of the book. And so last week we began looking at John's vision of the glorified Christ. And so we're going to pick that back up again uh, this morning. And if you will, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Revelation chapter 1. Uh, verses 8 through 18 this morning. Um, for those at home, you can do the same thing. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, then you can follow along here uh, on the overheads. So if you want to go ahead and move that slide forward, here we go. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one someone, was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, that he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we continue along with our study in the book of Revelation, 
Father, I pray that you would help us uh, just as John caught a vision of you in your glorified uh, state and your glorified being. I pray, Father, that whatever it is that we're facing here this morning, that you would help us to capture and to catch that same vision of who you are in all of your glory and all of your power and all of your strength and all of your love and all of your wisdom. And Jesus, I pray that as we behold who you are, that you would not only change us to become more and more like who you are, but we could also find peace and we could also find comfort and strength with whatever it is that we're facing here this morning. And Lord, we love you and we just give you the rest of our time here. We ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to us through your word and that you would change us. And we pray and we ask these things in the name of your beloved son and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, as I've mentioned over the past couple of weeks, the book of Revelation is a strange book. It, it, it is filled with, you know, angels and demons and, and lions and lambs and horses and dragons and ghoulies and ghosties and things that go bu uh, bump in the night. You know, it makes you want to go, oh my, what is all this stuff? But as strange as the book of Revelation, as strange as, as it is, we need this book. It, we, we need it just like the original audience, the original readers. We need it just as much as they did. And they, you know, we need it too. You know, to give you some more context about the book of Revelation, Revelation was written at the end of, of the first century. And at that time, there, there, there was a coming terrible persecution that the church was about to face and it was about to happen. And if you know your history, you'll know that in the middle of the first century, it was the Roman Caesar, the Roman Emperor Nero, who, who was the first to, to begin persecuting Christians. But then at the end of the first century, it was the Roman Emperor and the Roman Caesar, D Domitian, who was about to begin a, a more serious, a more expansive, a more detailed and more intense persecution of the Christians. And the reason why they did that, the reason why Domitian in the Roman Empire began uh, persecuting the Christians like they did is because Domitian demanded everybody, including the Christians, that they would bow down and worship him as Lord God and Savior. And the Christians said, uh, uh, no, 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 we're not doing that. We have no other Lord and we have no other God but Jesus Christ himself. And so the persecution began. And so by the time John gets this revelation while he is on the island of Patmos, some had already been killed, but the storm clouds were brewing. And folks, when those clouds broke, it was horrible. It was really bad in regards to what the Christians faith faced. And, and many of the people who were the original audience of this book, many of them who read this book, some of them were killed by wild horses. If you know your history, then you'll know this. The Romans with the Christians, they would take some of them and they would take their arms and they would tie their arms to, to a, a wild horse. They would take their legs. They would tie it to another wild horse. They would put them in between these two horses and they would whip the horses. And when the horses would go and take off, it would rip their limbs off. And for some, it would rip them in half. And then others, they, they were turned into human torches to where they would be impaled on spikes and they would have uh, pitch doused upon them and then they, they would just light them on fire and boom, human torches. 
And then others had the Romans drill holes into their skulls. And then after drilling you know, holes into their skulls, the Romans would pour molten lead into their heads. And then the rest, well, they were just fed to the lions. How merciful. But the question is this, is how did they face that? How did they endure such hardship? Because face it, they did. And folks, it is a matter of historical fact that the reason Christianity exploded and spread throughout the world is because they kept getting killed. Seriously. It was said of the early believers, it was said of the early church, you may have heard of this before, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And that meant the more that we kept, the more that we kept killing the church, the more the church grew, the more that it spread. And one of the main reasons why, even though the Christians were hunted down and they were killed, is this, is because the Romans, the Roman Empire and the citizens of Rome, when they watched Christians and they saw how they handled death, that they handle it with bravery, that they handle it with courage, with peace. And yes, folks, sometimes even joy. If you know your history, then you'll know that when all these persecutions started taking place, it happened very often when the Christians would go in and they would face the lions in the Colosseums or they were turned into human torches. They would oftentimes break out into joyful song and joyful singing And the Roman Empire and the citizens of Rome. They would watch this over and over again and they were absolutely perplexed. They were saying, what is up with these Christians? How is it that they can respond this way? How is it that they respond and react to death in the way that they do? And not only death, but in the way that we're actually trying to kill them, which is cruel. How is it that they can face it in the way that they faced it? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how they faced it is because John gave them something that enabled them to face it. And what was that? It was the vision that John was given by Jesus himself of himself to John. And then John, in turn, giving that same vision to the early believers through this book known as Revelation. And in turn, he gives it. We get the same vision of Jesus that John got on the island of Patmos. Folks, molten lead poured into your head. Being ripped in half. What are you facing this morning? What kind of problems, what kind of hardships are you going through? And so the logic goes this way. If whatever it was in this book that enabled them to face that, it has to be sufficient for you and me too. I know, I get it. We're all still in the middle of this pandemic that has driven us all crazy. There's still a lot of uncertainty in regards to what's going to happen. The world seems to be going crazy. And in the midst of all that, we still have our own, you know, personal hopes and dreams and issues and problems and pain that we deal with. 
But whatever it is that you're facing here this morning, and I don't mean to minimize what it is you're facing, you know, here this morning. But at the same time, I think it's safe to say that, you know, you're not facing someone having to pour molten lead into your head. Or someone threatening to tie you to two horses and then rip you in half and to rip your legs and your your arms off. And the point of that is this, is that if this same revelation, if this same truth, if this the same stuff that they received enabled them to face stuff like that, then what's my excuse and what's your excuse for not facing whatever it is that we're facing this morning with some sort of courage, with some sort of peace, and maybe, even just maybe, joy in the midst of it. So he gives them this view of the glorified cosmic Christ, if you will. And so this morning, again, because we, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're having to cut down our time to make sure we don't infect anybody. So I'm just going to have us look at two things from this passage. And in this passage, we just read this. Jesus says to, and he reveals to John, he says to John, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. And Alpha being the first letter in the Greek alphabet and Omega being the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He says, I am the first and I am the last. And what John is communicating to his readers, his original audience, and also to us is this, is that you see Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. If you see him as the first and the last, then you can face anything. Even if you have to face someone drilling a hole in your head and pouring molten lead into it, you can face anything. Now, the early Christians through the Apostle John, they saw Jesus as Alpha. In other words, what that meant is they saw Jesus as the beginning. They saw Jesus as the first of all things. They saw him as the beginning and the start, and he's first in all things. And with Jesus making that claim that I am the Alpha... That I am first, it is one of the most comprehensive statements of Jesus making a claim about himself as him being God. God Almighty. By Jesus saying that I am the Alpha, he is saying I am the beginning. He is saying I am the uncreated one. There was no one or no thing before me. Everything had its origin. Everything starts. Everything in the entire universe, including you and me, everything starts and begins with me. Folks, Jesus doesn't say, I am the beta. Jesus doesn't say, I am the beta and the omega. No, Jesus says, I am the alpha and I am the omega. Jesus, by saying that, is this. He is saying, I am your creator. I am your origin. As scriptures, you know, tells us that every, again, everything begins with him. And what that meant for the early Christians, it means the same thing for us today, is that we must start with him. 
All of our thinking, all of our pursuits, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, everything must begin with him. Even in regards for us to understand ourselves and who we are and what we were meant to be and what we see is, is giving us meaning. Let me ask you guys a question. I'm sure you would say this. How many would answer yes? How many of you want to figure out who you are? Some of us go through life trying to figure get in your 50s and 60s. Who am I? But that's a big need that we all have to try to understand who we really are. Who am I? as a person and to try to understand ourselves. And folks, as we seek to understand ourselves, one of the things that we do, one of the big mistakes that you and I make as we seek to understand who we are is that we, we don't go outside of ourselves to seek who we are. We try to understand ourselves by trying to seek things within ourselves and trying to find that meaning ultimately inside of us. But folks, the truth of the matter is, is that unless you try to find meaning and purpose within something outside of yourself, you are never going to find you. Right? You are not the alpha. In fact, we're going to join in with the folks at home. For those of you who are watching online, type this in the, the comment section below as the rest of us are going to shout this out. We're going to count the three and we're going to shout out, I am not the alpha. So here we go. We're all going to do this together. One, two, three. I am not the alpha. Right? You have to get outside of yourself in order to be able to find yourself. Right, that's the message of the scriptures. Unless you and I, unless we start with him, unless we begin with him, unless we start with God and, and we come to know him and who he is, we can't begin. We can't fully understand or know who we are. We have to get outside of ourselves and we know this to some degree. For example, what's this? Highlighter. Highlighter. What color is it? Yellow. Yellow. If you guys are watching at home, it's a highlighter pit. So from your perspective and where you guys are at, you can see this, right? But if I do this, I can't tell what it is. All I see is yellow. And the reason why I can't tell what it ultimately is, is you know why? Is because it's too close. I have to break away from the pin. I have to pull away from the pin and the marker in order for me to really truly understand the depth and the gravity and the meaning of what that thing really is. Yeah. Someone once said, what do they know of England who only England knows? And what that meant was this, is that if you really want to understand your country, in order for you to truly understand what your country is and what your country is like, well, then you probably need to get outside of your country for a little while to experience something a little different and see it in a broader context, in a broader perspective. If you want to know what your city is really like, then maybe it would be a good idea for you to get outside of your city for a while and go into another city and experience something again different and from a different perspective instead of you know, just being right there in the middle of it. Sometimes you, you just got to pull away. You've got to get outside of it in order to see it. 
And, and, and the Bible says in regards to you and I, you and I, we will never understand ourselves. You will never understand yourself unless you know God. You will never understand what you look like unless you see yourself in regards to how God sees you. And so we know this, at least we know this scripture. Opening chapters of the Bible, the first thing that we see in God's word says what? In the beginning, in the beginning, God. Yes, it goes on to that. And see, we know this. We know that up here, but so often we live and we go through our existence as if it read in the beginning, self. But it says, in the beginning, God. Folks, if you and I, again, if we start with ourselves and we just, you know, simply stay focused on, on, on me and, and, and myself and, and I just, I, I can't go beyond right here, in close here, you know, you'll never get to yourself. As you contemplate your life and yourself here this morning, let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask you guys a few questions this morning. And the first question is this, is what is your alpha point? Where do you and your life begin? Where, where, where does you and your life, where does it start? Where's the starting point for your life? Let me put it another way. Do you see yourself as someone who was divinely created, designed, created by a loving, personal creator? Or do you see yourself as, I'm just a bunch of molecules and, and chemicals and atoms that came together in eons past, however long ago that was. There was no real person. It just, it just happened by chance. I'm nothing more than an accident. And I think, again, as Christians, we, we know how to answer that question. But again, we often don't go through life putting that at the forefront. Because however you and I decide to answer that question, that has a huge impact. That has an absolutely huge impact in regards to, you know, not only how I view myself and, and approach myself, but it's also going to have a huge impact in regards to how you and I face our problems this morning. If you and I are nothing more than, than chemical accidents that came together randomly for no real reason, no real purpose whatsoever, and this is true, this happens to everybody, if this is how you see yourself in life, is what you're going to end up doing is you're going to go throughout life and you're going to try to make up your own rules. You're going to try to determine and define your own meaning. You're going to define your own truth. You're going to define your own morality. But if you and I indeed have a divine, loving creator who created us not only in his image, but with meaning and with purpose, then it's a discovery. 
Right. We, we discover truth as we begin to discover him and begin in him. You, you know, we begin to discover meaning that was put there before as we begin to see ourselves in him. And you may be sitting here this morning. You know what, Todd? I'm in pain. I've got problems. Who's got time to go through life focusing on such stuff? And I get it. I understand we all have problems. I get a lot of us are going through pain. But folks, you know what? Christianity is not escapism. The message of Christianity is not escape. Everything else is escapism. Christianity is not that way at all. How many of you guys watch the show Cheers? You may not get this because you didn't raise your hand. So, but Cheers, it was one of my favorite shows. And, and if you're familiar with the show, you, you know, the character Frazier, Kelsey Grammer, you know, he plays a psychologist, wise guy, smart guy. And they're sitting at the bar. You know, he would oftentimes say towards the end of the show, he would say, you know, some people say that we're nothing more than a collection, a random collection of atoms and molecules. And we're just a bunch of accidents and nothing means anything. And then the character Woody would say, boy, that's a cheerful thought. And then everybody would laugh and then they would raise their glass or their beer or their shot and they, they would drink to that. And folks, that, that, that's how so many people, so many human beings go through life and they approach it that way. That They just laugh at the question of, you know, what's my alpha point? Where do I begin? And, and they laugh it off and they try to avoid it. But again, Christianity is not about escapism. Christianity says unless you figure out what your alpha point is, you will not only truly understand who you are as a person, but you will not be able to face your pain and your problems in the way that God intends for you to be able to face them. Right? If you and I can't get outside of ourselves, we will never be able to truly understand ourselves. What is your alpha point Again, in cheers, they, they, they can laugh it off and, and have another beer. But Christianity will not allow you to escape it. What is your alpha? What is your first? The Bible says that Jesus is the alpha. Yes. And that as you and I begin to put him first, see him first, make him the alpha, then life begins to make sense. He is the alpha. He is the beginning of everything. So it starts with him. And then secondly, Jesus is the omega. Jesus is the last. Jesus is the end. And so Jesus is saying, okay, you know, I'm the alpha. I'm the first. I'm also the omega. I am the last. And Jesus created the universe as a way to fit him. Jesus created you and I, Jesus created all of creation to be oriented around him and to him. And as I say that, it, it reminds me of, of one of my friends from junior high back in the day. And um, this particular friend, uh, we were 13 at the time, and his family, his, his entire family, they, they were all a bunch of six footers. 
Like his dad was six foot six. His mom was six foot three. His, his, his sisters, his older sisters were like six two, six one. And my friend at this time around 13, he was already pushing six feet tall. I mean, this family could have given any NBA team a run for their money in a pickup game. And so his dad was, 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 a, he, he was a contractor. He built, built houses for a living. And so his dad built this house from, from, from the ground up, and he built it with tall people in mind. I eventually topped out at about 5'9". But back then, I was about 5'4". And with, they, with them building the house in mind with tall people, the cabinets were like way up here. And they were one of those families that was like, Todd, make yourself at home. Just be yourself. Hey, can I get something to drink? Yeah, yeah, the cabinets are in there. I would either have to jump up like this or I'd have to get a stool to get out of glass. The, the, the furniture was all purchased and designed in mind with tall people. And whenever I would sit down on the sofa to watch a show or a movie, my feet would be about a foot off the ground and I'd have to kind of slide off the couch like this it, just to make sure, you know, I, I, I hit the floor correctly. You know, that I'm not like falling 20 feet. It was kind of a scary thing. But even though my friend's family, even though I, I, I love them, they were great, they were wonderful people, I, I must confess that whenever I was there, I couldn't help but thinking, you know what, I don't fit in this universe. I don't feel like I belong here. It doesn't, it, it doesn't fit me. But see, again, with Jesus, when Jesus created the universe, when Jesus created us, he created you and I for himself. Yes, he created you and I. He created us with, with us in mind. But he built everything for himself and you and I were built for him. And folks, when, when you and I, when, when, when we are connected to him, we, we, we begin to fit. And so this part of where, where Jesus is saying, you know, hey, I'm the alpha, I'm the origin. And Jesus saying that, you know, I'm, I'm the omega. Part of what that's saying to us is this, is that all of history ends in him. All of history comes to its fruition and conclusion in him. He is not only the creator of history, but as we are going to see in this book, at the end of all things, he becomes the good and the righteous judge over everything. He is the final end of absolutely everything. The Apostle Paul says of him, in him, all of the promises are yes and amen. Men. In other words, what that means for you and I is this. Is that means that every need that you have will one day be answered in Him if you orient yourself in Him. All of your needs point to Him. Every hurt and every pain that you have ever experienced and will experience will be resolved in Him all of the world's issues, all of the evil in the world, all of that will one day be put under his feet and he will right 
every single wrong in this world. Everything in history is moving towards a completion in him and his kingdom. Again, as we're saying, the whole book of Revelation is that God wins. And if you are oriented around him and in him, you know what that means? That means you win too. We don't always feel it right now in the midst of this. We're in the middle between the Alpha and the Omega. But that's what that means when he is saying that he is the Omega. And so let me ask you another question here. What is your Omega point this morning? And an Omega point is this. An Omega point are those non-negotiables in our life. To where we say, you know what? If I don't have this, or if I don't have that, what's the point? If I don't have this in my life or that in my life, what's the point of even going on? And folks, there are two ways for you and I to approach God. You and I, number one, we can either make him the means of something else or, or we can either make him the means and something else the end or you and I can make him the end and everything else is the means. And folks, how we approach those two things are going to create two very different experiences. In fact, I would say it would create two very different religions. So again, you, you, you can either choose that he is the means and something else is the end, or he is the end and everything else is the means. And again, omega points are those points in your life that are those, those non-negotiables. And if we're honest here, what do we do? I know this can be a struggle. There's no guilt. There's no shame here. I, I've done it too. We all do this. We're all in the same boat. But oftentimes what we do is that we go through life and we try to make Jesus the means to get us these other things, these omega points that we think that we can't live without. Jesus, I'll be in a relationship with you. I'll, I'll, I'll serve you if you do this. That means we're making him a means for something else that we think that we absolutely can't live without. And folks, Jesus comes to us and he says when we do that, he says, listen, I not only created you in my image, you were not only created by me and for me, I also willingly laid down my life for you. And I get there's these other things. I understand life. I understand there's other things in your life that you need. You need to eat food. You need to have relationships with other people. You need shelter. I get all of that. But your ultimate need is for me. Because you were created by me and for me. And so Jesus says to you, he says, listen, don't come to me to get all these other things. Come to me to get me. 
Come to me to get me. And folks, the things that you and I want the most, you'll never get them if that's what you want the most. Because anything that you want the most is your omega point. And anything other than Jesus being your omega point will only end in self-destruction. I close with this. I think some of you are familiar with Elizabeth Elliot. And um, some years back, Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book called No Graven Image. And if you're not familiar with the book, the, the, the book is about, it's actually a novel, but it has a lot of you know, truth in it. It's, you know, it's, non, it's fiction, but it has you know, nonfiction truth and stuff in it. And so the book is, is about a woman who, gets, who goes into South America She's in the jungle and she spends her life as a Bible translator to the people that live in the jungle. And when you read the story, everything goes absolutely wrong. Nothing works out for her as she thought that it would. Her life's work at first, she thinks it's, it's, it's ruined. But then on the last page of the book, she says this, and this is what she came to realize. She said, God, if he was merely my accomplice, had betrayed me. If on the other hand, he was God, he had freed me. In other words, if God was a means to an end, he had failed me. But if God was, is the end, then he had freed me. And so where does this freedom come from? It comes from this. She's saying, if I had suddenly realized, or she's saying, I suddenly realized that God is his own happy ending. He's the omega. And if that is the truth, if, if I serve him, and I'm doing, and I'm going through life, ultimately doing what I'm doing for him because he's the end, then then. What is it that I ultimately want other than him? I, I got him. I can't add anything else other to God. And she goes on to say, she says, you know, hey, did, did he not only give his life for me? Did, did he not, you know, adopt me into his family? Is God not one day going to set everything right that is wrong in this world and set everything completely right in my life that is wrong? Am I not only going to reign and rule with him? I am going to be with him and see him and experience him in a way that I have never, ever have before. And that is going to take place forever and ever. And she said, how can I add anything to that? If he was my accomplice, he had betrayed me. But if he was God, he had freed me. And anything other that we have and experience in life is just gravy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just pray right now that you would help us. I know, again, this is just a difficult time, difficult challenge. For all of us in this time, in this season where the world is at. But Father, I pray that whatever it is that we're facing, whatever fear, whatever doubt, 
whatever pain, whatever problem, I pray that you would help us to see that you're bigger than all of those things. And even though the world is crazy and we don't always see it in the midst of us, help us to realize that you have overcome the world. And what we have been experiencing over the past several months or few months and what we're currently experiencing, it is not the end. That is not how this all ends. And Father, I pray that you would help us to see that as we seek you first, as we see you and begin to move and to orient ourselves around you being the Alpha in the Omega, and as we, we seek you and your kingdom first, that all these other things, you know what we need. You say that you will add those things as well, but our ultimate need is in you. Our need and ultimate need is in you and of you. Father, give us a vision just as you gave John and then John in turn gave to the early church. Father, I pray that this vision of who you are, all of your goodness, all of your power, all of your authority, everything begins and ends in you. And, and, and that covers us in the middle of all those things. Help us to see you as first and last. You are the beginning of all things in our life and you are also the ending of all things. And Father, I pray that you would help us again that when we face what it is that we're facing, this God, who is Alpha and Omega, faces it with us. We don't go through it alone. You're right there with us. We're going to see more about that in the upcoming weeks. But Father, I pray that as we capture this vision of you, Father, I pray for encouragement. I pray that it would bring peace and strength and comfort to us for whatever it is that we're facing here this morning. And Father, I pray that again, as we capture a vision of you, I pray that we would be uh, enraptured by your love, anchored in your love and your, and your goodness. And Father, again, that would heal us, protect us and give us strength to face what it is that we go through, not with fear. But Father, that we could face it with a sense of peace, we could face it uh, with a sense of courage and yes, even joy. That sounds crazy. But with you, all things are possible. So, Father, I pray whatever it is that we need here this morning as we gaze upon you, I pray for your peace to fall. I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us love. Father God, I pray that you'd even give us joy. And, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And, Father, as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence with us. Touch your people here this morning. And we love you and we thank you. And we pray and we ask these things in the name of our wonderful King, our cosmic Jesus. We pray this yes. in your name. And all God's people said... Amen. 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 Let's stand and worship.